From the Nipty Radio Recording Studios, high above 107 Columbia Street in the heart of uptown downtown Albany, welcome to this week's edition of the Nipty Practice Tips. Johnny, and welcome everybody to the latest edition of your Nipty Practice Tips. So this is a biggie today, and it's going to be addressing the distinction between the right to counsel and the right to remain silent in the context of the admission of a defendant's statement taken by law enforcement. So let's get started. When litigating the admissibility of statements made by the defendant to law enforcement, There are two significant factual situations that you will face in determining the admissibility of a particular statement at trial. Did the defendant invoke the right to counsel? Or did the defendant invoke the right to remain silent? The distinction between the rules that govern each one will have a significant impact on whether the statement is admissible or not. When a defendant is in custody, If he or she unequivocally invokes the right to counsel at any time during the administering of the Miranda warnings or during the taking of the statement or at any time, all questioning or its functional equivalent must cease. See the case of People v. Glover, a Court of Appeals decision from 1995. The defendant cannot be questioned any further without an attorney or that defendant being present. Even if the defendant subsequently tells the officer on his or her own that he or she wishes to continue being questioned and wishes to continue making a statement, once the right is invoked, it cannot be waived without the presence of an attorney. The only trial admissible statement that a defendant can make after invoking the right to counsel is what's called a spontaneous declaration by the defendant. Such a statement cannot be the result of prompting by the officer or what is identified as the functional equivalent of questioning by an officer that is intended to prompt a comment by the defendant. See the case of People v. Damiano, another Court of Appeals decision from 1996. The concept of what is considered an unequivocal request is one that is open to interpretation by the appellate courts. A defendant's comment that he or she is thinking about getting an attorney, or that maybe he or she should talk to an attorney, or ask the law enforcement officer whether he or she thinks the defendant should get an attorney, have consistently been held to be equivocal and not a request for attorney. However, the ultimate focus is not on that language alone used by the defendant, but rather the context in which these comments were made. Recently, What might have been in the past considered equivocating by the defendant was found to be an unequivocal request. In the case of People v. Jackson, a Fourth Department case from April of this year, the court wrote, inasmuch as the defendant never requested an attorney and the right to counsel had not indelibly attached, there was no legal requirement that an attorney be present before he changed an earlier decision to remain silent and talked to the authorities. 
rules that govern the admission of a statement made by the defendant after he or she has invoked the right to remain silent are not the same as the ones governing a request for counsel. While the officers must scrupulously honor the defendant's response to the Miranda warnings that he or she does not want to answer any more questions or initially states he or she wishes to remain silent, this invocation of the right to remain silent does not have the same indelible effect as does invoking the right to counsel. The key practical distinction between these two situations is that the defendant may subsequently waive the right to remain silent without having his or her attorney present. As the court wrote in People v. Massey, a third department case from 2017, inasmuch as the defendant never requested an attorney and the right to counsel had not indelibly attached, there was no legal requirement that an attorney be present before he changed an earlier decision to remain silent and talk to the authorities. Often, defendant's change of mind as to wishing to speak to the officer will be as a result of an initiation by the defendant to further conversation with the officer. Under such situations, these statements will usually be admitted into evidence. As previously noted, when the defendant has invoked the right to counsel, such a change of mind does not allow for questioning until the attorney has arrived. But there are situations where law enforcement has been found to properly honor the defendant's request to remain silent and still secured a statement from the defendant. In the case of People v. Gary from the Court of Appeals in 1972, the court wrote, the narrow issue presented by this case, then, is whether the assistant district attorney was precluded from inviting the defendant to make a statement because, an hour before, a like request by a police officer had been declined. Neither Miranda nor any broader constitutional mandate prohibits a subsequent request, made otherwise than in the course of continued importunity or coercive interrogation in the guise of a request for reconsideration. The issues and rules we have been discussing relate to cases where the questioning takes place after the defendant has been taken into custody. If, however, the defendant is not in custody, and if the police are questioning the defendant in a situation where a reasonable person, innocent of any crime, would not feel as if he or she was in custody, if the defendant invokes the right to counsel or invokes the right to remain silent, a defendant may subsequently waive the triggering of that right with the subsequent waiver. In People v. Davis, a Court of Appeals decision from 1990, the court wrote, We have never held, however, that an individual who has requested counsel in a non-custodial setting could not subsequently waive or withdraw that request, and the reasons underlying the New York rule do not warrant doing so now. Please be sure to see the written version of today's memo for all of the case citations. Also, you will find individual memos on particular subjects in the PE as well. Our thanks, of course, to Johnny and to Mr. Marconi Crispino, who is fresh from vacation, right after being fresh from three weeks of diligent work at the Nipty Summer College. And now we begin our new programmatic year in anticipation of the implementation of the new discovery statutes come January 1st. So it's going to be an exciting fall, and we look forward to helping you prepare for this new era in criminal law discovery. So to all of you out there, a happy new year.
Be well and stay ready, my friends. <laughs> <laughs>